the world is in a crisis. A pandemic is spreading. It's called liberalism. I'm a pig in a shirt, Matisse Van Rossum. I'm your resident libtard cuck, Ben Sheets. I'm Cleveland Mosier, and I deserve to die because I haven't read Animal Farm. <laughs> oh, boys, the coronavirus. We braved it to go see this movie. Yes. Uh, we went- <laughs> I hope it was worth it for you. <laughs> Well, we should mention this is probably the last movie we're going to see in theaters for a while. For a little while. We'll talk so. more about how that's going to affect our show at the end. Uh, but, yep, we are America's most infectious podcast, The Pod People. And we went to a public place where there are people and things to touch to see this movie that we're talking about today. But we the people it. aren't the things to touch. We did it for you. Don't go you. out and touch your people now. We did it for you, dear listeners. We yeah. contracted coronavirus for all of you and to see the brand new 2020 film, The Hunt, being called the most controversial film that nobody has ever seen. But guess what, guys? We've seen it now. So that doesn't even make sense anymore. Does that mean we're controversial by proxy or... Yes. Have we been cursed? Yep. Cool. I'm used cursed to it. Cursed with the coronavirus. We've been the canceled. The curse of La Corona. <laughs> <laughs> We've been cursed and canceled and infected with the disease. But now, we're getting together, and we're on the hunt for red. <laughs> Cocktober. <laughs> Well, it's because they hunt reds. Anyway, all right, we can. Anyway, uh, this movie is directed by Craig Zobel and uh, written by Nick Cuse and also da 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 Damon Lindelof, <laughs> which uh-huh. none of us realized until we read <laughs> nope. it. Yep. Uh, which it does explain a lot. It though. really does. I know there's a lot of people out there that may be listening to this that really unironically like Watchmen. I am one of those people. <laughs> I unironically enjoyed that terrible show because it was so bad. <laughs> I tried. I, I tried. See, the thing I is, did. with your enjoyment of it, Tease, it's like you were liking it so ironically that it became that it became un- Exactly, yes. Yeah. So it's was almost like a post-ironic type of thing. I was infected. <laughs> I, I was I was laughing, but I don't think I was having a good time. And now we're just talking about Watchmen, but yeah. it was the most fun I've ever had watching something unforgivably terrible. Yes. Well, I, I, I brought it up because we should justify that before we dig in, because a lot of people think that show is very smartly written, and I think we're in the minority. Yeah, well, three monologues that you're in your ending, I think, would... <laughs> Pretty much say everything you need to. <laughs> three, like at least, it's like three different villain monologues that say absolutely nothing. But that's fine. You enjoyed it, you know. Good for you. And it, it, get get your get your thrills where you, where you want. I enjoyed Guyver, so you know it's whatever. I don't give a nothing shit. accounts for taste. But no matter how much trash we want to talk about Watchmen, I will defend that show to the grave. <laughs> 
but yeah, it it is relevant to bring up because it I think put this entire film into perspective for all of us when the credits rolled yeah. and we saw David Lindelof's name. <laughs> I I looked over and I saw it click on all of our faces <laughs> at about the same time. <laughs> There was an audible, oh. oh. <laughs> but I have to say, as much as I just didn't enjoy Watchmen, uh, loathed even, I had a great time with this movie, personally. I will say that I also enjoyed this film much for the same reasons that I enjoyed Watchmen. <laughs> I think Watchmen is everything that I liked about this movie on steroids see i think the reason i was able to like it in the same way as you enjoyed watchmen <laughs> is it wasn't tied to any source material down. that was actually quality so i was able to just unplug and enjoy this film and enjoy all the commentary that didn't say anything and that's that's fine i i think a lot of it works despite the half-baked i guess commentary you know, is the wrong word because it implies it comments on anything political references we'll we'll say buzzword the movie yeah uh i've got some more thoughts on that later uh because i want to ask you guys a question about that but i think it's important that we put this film into context a little bit because they are advertising it as uh the most controversial film that nobody's seen oh that's baby yes fuck. well we should we should emphasize yeah, this movie no. originally it was supposed to come out in september Yes. Um, it got shit canned because there was a shooting right around the same time and they were like, this is too politically charged with a shooting that was also politically charged. We can't have this movie coming out at this time. So they shit canned it and put it in the vault and now it's coming out in March. It's political and it has guns in it. Uh, did I find it controversial? Not really. No. At all. Because it doesn't say anything controversial or otherwise that's which is fine honestly uh didn't mind that fact i'm not saying that as a complaint like that's that's the crux of it is that it touts itself as like a film that has something to say about like the state of our nation the marketing is more obnoxious than the movie politically and it really does not yeah. it's yeah. like it's like a baby brained political analysis well that's what i find kind of interesting because uh how how do you guys view the ideology of this movie just a bunch of platitudes i couldn't figure out what the ideology was there wasn't in one. my in my opinion it's uh enlightened centrist oh uh, no if, if you haven't read 1984 you deserve to die uh, <laughs> yeah, if you haven't read George Orwell specifically. Yeah, yeah. Or, sorry, overall, not 19, uh, Animal Farm. Animal Farm, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Overall, the ideology of this film was so muddled. Enlightened centrist is a great way to put it, I think, because like it presents itself as being like so woke as like uh, willing to skewer the ideologies of both the left and the right while itself falling somewhere in between the two and therefore not actually saying anything. Yeah. The previews I found very confusing and made me nervous, as I said on the last episode, because, yeah. like, I couldn't tell what its ideology was, and so I was like nervous about feeling a certain way about it and i felt the same way for most of the movie because i'm like i'm not sure how i'm supposed to feel about this i don't know what it's well, trying to thing, tell me because they they caricature both sides both the neoliberal rich people 
as well as the quote-unquote deplorables. Their um, word. <laughs> yes. That would be okay if they had, like, an underlying idea to go with it. Even if, like, the idea was kind of shitty, it's better than having no... The, I guess the idea is both can be bad, There was, and that's that's about where it There was a lies. brief period of time in the movie where I almost thought it was smart because I felt like it was trying to say that politics is not important and that it's about class, which is true, and then I realized that I was reading into something that wasn't actually well, and also, there. And also, you <laughs> that know, was me trying to there, find something There's a point uh, where I, I saw it as both sides viewing the other side as a caricature. Right. Um, which is an interesting idea, but they totally undo that with a lot of the things they do in the film. Here's what I'll say, though. Having seen Watchmen, I've seen David Lindelhoff actually try to make statements and those are usually the things about Watchmen that make me really well, mad. So I, if I had to choose, I'd much rather choose him the, not making statements and evading things. The, like I think the primary difference between The Hunt and Watchmen is that Watchmen is extremely self-serious, mm. which is why I find it so funny, because <laughs> it's so stupid. Like an edgy ta- teenager, yeah. But takes itself so seriously. And this film is... It's, it's wacky. It is satire, oh, yeah. but I'm not sure it really knows what it's satirizing. I, politics. Right. This vague idea of politics yeah. is yeah. what it's satirizing. And I think we can all agree that, like, the individual gags are pretty funny. Hilarious. Yeah. They're, like, they're, I, they're I, belly I, laughs. Solid. I definitely laughed hard a few times in this movie. Oh, Sam, I had a wonderful fucking time. It was a really weird feeling saying Lindelof's name at the end of it and realizing I enjoyed a film that he was attached <laughs> to. That you enjoyed something that like, David Lindelof I, I have a lot of resentment towards a lot of the, the projects he's worked on and was very glad to finally see something that I thought was great. Well, like, like you mentioned, Tease, like a lot of the underlying jokes <laughs> work. Like, I think they nail the, the, the rich elite NPR listening yeah. woke scold type of thing super well. And on the flip side, they, they have some really funny Trumpy type of jokes in there as well. Um, yeah, they never use his name. But, but they did they, the R president. They're, you know, like. they're, they're both caricatures. Right. Which yes. is what I think makes a lot of it work and not feel too serious. I will say what I appreciate about it is that it is never trying to tell you that one ideology is better than the other because they're both bad for different reasons. I don't know if the film really realizes that, but I am glad that I never felt like I was being preached at, because there were a few times where it teetered on the edge of that, and I was worried that it was going to start doing something like that, and Mm -hmm. then it didn't. If you feel personally attacked by anything in this movie, you need to fucking get your head out of the sand. Like, you're looking for for things that aren't there. I don't care, like, if you're, like, a, a wealthy blue or... Uh, a not so wealthy red uh, or vice versa or vice versa honestly, like, like if you get offended by anything in this film like you you really need to recalibrate and like I, I, and that's the thing is like i think the the marketing for this film like did more harm than good for our expectations because honestly i think that the tone of this film isn't trying to say anything either it's wacky it's weird it's got fucking people just blowing up left and right for gags it's not it's just trying to have fun and yeah. so i wasn't asking this movie to say anything political or whatever else like that, just be politically flavored. 
is fine. I, I didn't mind like my 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 wacky campy stuff like with with weird funny buzzwords and stuff going off because here's here's the thing if if any of those scenes had ended with them like actually like looking at the camera and saying like oh but really it would have been extremely obnoxious and I was never really like pissed off or bothered by anything this movie said well it seems like our protagonist is entirely apolitical which is the i think major indication that the film is not trying to take a side which i mean when you draw the lines like you do in this movie i think it's fine i i don't necessarily uh agree with the idea of not having politics because i don't think that really exists mm-hmm. yeah but if the politics is choosing between well, right, right. That's, that's the also, thing is like the lines Trumpism. the lines that the film chooses to draw are lines that where if you pick a side then you're an asshole for a different reason and also like Lindelhoff has largely been associated with the Hollywood very wealthy left so there's a like if you consider like who quote, is behind unquote, this movie left. I was gonna say call like, them, call them what they are libs, libs not like, left like uh, my point being if you consider who made the film, there's a lot of, like, self-flagellation there as well. We're self-aware, you know, like, kind of qualities, like, that they sort of, like, wrote themselves into some of these, like, you know, evil lib parts. I, I, don't, I don't think that really means anything, but... I mean, it doesn't, yeah. but I... There's nothing in this movie does, but that's okay. Should we... Should we? Do we have anything else to say about the political parts, or can we just get into, like, the, the, the wacky action stuff? I mean, we could talk as much as we want about the wacky action stuff, but I don't think we can talk about this movie at all and write off political anything. Oh, no, no. I mean, I'm sure it's the movie inevitably going to come up again. Right. Oh, sure, but do know? we want to move into it? Sure, now? absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. We can ta- start talking about specifics. Yeah. It is essentially elites versus rednecks. You said last week, Ben, that the original title for this film was Red State, Blue State. Which is fitting right know. yeah sure it's about some some wealthy liberal elites who capture uh who they perceive to be uh right-wing redneck deplorables and uh hunt them for sport so it's the timeless tale of the most dangerous game but it's funny this time <laughs> and it, it, uh it has some battle royale sort of qualities yeah. to it you know they they wake up they don't know where they are they're gagged they find weapons you know usual fare and i, I thought that was like reasonably well handled what i loved is how long this film goes without a central protagonist yes i was gonna bring up the same well thing. we should we should emphasize we don't know that for the beginning section of yes. the movie we definitely think Emma Roberts is the lead protagonist. She's the biggest name in the movie, mm-hmm. you know, at that point. We, also spoilers, we I suppose. Like, we're, right yeah. off the bat, like, this movie has some, I mean, some a, spoilers. Yeah, and, and this movie's rich with subversions, because little odd. But yeah, we, we follow her very closely. It presents a lot of the beginning stuff, like, from her perspective specifically. Mm-hmm. And the rug is pulled out from under us. And uh, she dies well. immediately. I think yeah. all three of us were shocked. I was I was quite surprised when her she her her face blew up. I mean, one of my like, favorite things about the movie is that they make that a trend for a long time. Is that they sort of trade off who you think is going to be the protagonist before unabashedly killing them. It's a ballsy move. I like. I actually really like. like that. I, I, solid... I can I can see like fighting executives on that. Like, wow, who am I supposed to root for? Like, who gives a shit? That I was just a some kills. Solid, I would say. 
30 to 40 minutes of the movie. The, mm-hmm. the, overall, I think one of the strongest parts of this movie is its pacing. Yeah. It, it is relentless. I would agree. And when it ended, I was like, oh, man, it felt like it was half an hour. You know what? The pacing so quickly. The pacing is really quick. Um, and I have to give credit to to like the the editing of this film in that like it's always very concise and clear for as quick and, and choppy as it is. Uh, whether it's the fight scenes or whatever else, you always know where items are. I'm not going to give huge props to that because I think that should just be standard fare. But there are so many movies that have action sequences in them now that don't do that. <laughs> and it's just it's nice to know. OK, cool. The explosives are under the car and like getting a shot of that, like getting quick reminders. And just you always understand like the placings and scenes. And when something is moving that quickly, you know, that can fly by a little fast. I think in terms of its structure this film is quite competent and i mean it's it's pretty well it's pretty well directed uh it's directed by craig zobel who has not done a whole lot uh yeah i did this movie compliance a few years back which is really good um it's really disturbing really weird very minimal um but he also on the flip side was the co-founder of a little site called homestar runner very uh, <laughs> weird, right? So all over the place, honestly. Completely but I, bizarre. I, I think this is a an interesting amalgamation of both the humor side of that as well as the very gruesome side. Yeah. You know, I I one thing I I really liked about this film is how gruesome it got. It is. Well, my my point in bringing up Craig Zobel is that like we can say what we want about Damon Lindelof and make fun of him as much as we want and we will continue to do so for the rest of this episode and afterwards. Uh but uh he did not direct this movie and I think that uh this film is quite well directed. Yes. For for its problems and its sort of uh ideological vagueness just in terms of like its pacing, how the actors are directed, all of that shit, it's pretty fucking good. Yeah, I think that it's, it's not boring. Like like you, I was kind of surprised when it was over. I had felt like it had not been going on for that long, mm-hmm. which is, uh, I think, a hallmark of, of an entertaining film. Yeah, as you said, Cleveland, it's full of quote-unquote subversions. Uh, some of them are good. Most, I, I would say, uh, I didn't, and none of them bothered me. Like, no. that, really, there's nothing about this movie that bothered me, which could be a complaint, but for a lot of people, that would be, I think. Like, oh, this movie, you know, I kind of wanted it to push me in a certain direction, but the fact that it is inoffensive, I think is fine. I think, I, there are plenty of movies that are. And I think I me. might be on the flip side this time. Usually, I'm the one that really does not care much about plot holes, but there were a couple of glaring plot holes in this movie. Let's talk about that. That uh, bothered me a little bit. Well, first off, let's talk about the subversion of the hunt to begin with. Okay. Okay, so. Big spoiler. uh, Yes. uh, About two thirds of the way through the movie, they do a hard cut to one year prior where uh, the main villain, I guess you could call her. uh, Hillary Swank. Yeah, Hillary Swank, um, the uh, million dollar baby herself, gets fired because at the very beginning of the movie, we see this long text conversation, like a group chat, where they're talking about hunting deplorables. Can't and wait to go to the manor and manor slaughter, gate. Yeah, and slaughter a, a, yeah. a dozen deplorables or whatever. Yeah. One of their phones gets hacked and that gets out. 
And so a bunch of like uh, right wing like podcasts and stuff all pick it up and they all start slamming them. And so she gets fired sort of James Gunn style for like well, uh, they, a random they all message. Do. They, yeah, all, they all do. The, the whole, whole group thread yeah. all loses their yeah, gets fired. Their high their high executive wealthy yeah. uh, positions. Exactly. Just lost. for yeah. making a joke. So they decide to make the joke real. Yes. And they select, I think it's a dozen people. Yeah, that were critical of them critical online. Critical on them online. Which um, <laughs> is pretty funny. Which is, that's a funny idea. I it's actually, really that was one of, my, yeah. one of my favorite things about the movie is that the villains of the movie are basically people who, it's just babies. Get, who get made fun of online. Yeah. <laughs> which is actually, which I is think, very one, fitting. Of, one of the cannier uh, observations, I think, yeah. that, like, <laughs> that I actually thought was was pretty, Cause, like, pretty smart. And it, it sort of, it kind of plays in the idea of the film, too. It's like, if you get offended by anything in the movie, you're just as bad. You're like them. Right. You know, it's good. It's fun. I, I, I enjoy that. Yeah. Don't take yourself so seriously. Exactly. Like, who gives a shit? Um, anyway. I agree. Uh, but the idea of the original hunt was kind of sloppy, I would say. <laughs> I don't know. It's a good bait and switch. Um, but oh, do you mean like the 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 beginning with them, like the, their text threat yes, specifically? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I like... F- as a way to start the movie, oh yeah, I rolled my eyes so the, hard. Yeah, the, like, also, it's a shit. thing where it, they want to keep it out of specific dates, you know. So someone watching this movie twenty years from now won't feel like this movie's as. Dated. I mean, I think they did a bad fucking job of that because most of their quote unquote political yeah, commentary all, all is all is very, all, very this is, entire movie is, is extremely buzz, dated. Is all yeah. buzzwords. I was I actually like, that's what I was gonna ask you guys about later, but we might as well do it now. How's this movie like, gonna age? How do you think this movie's gonna age? Because I think bad. Oh, I think like it's milk. gonna age terribly. Yeah, I had a great time watching it now, but I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think this movie is gonna connect with people in ten years. No, not at all. Yeah, yeah. there'll be elements of it that work to that point because I don't think we'll get rid of you know neoliberal woke no, no 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 I mean maybe the idea like, the I'll get a bit of a benefit of a doubt there, that it might feel like a time capsule references the jokes work as much the snowflake references the cuck references it's so buzzwordy that like I don't think those kinds of jokes are gonna mean anything to people in 10 to 20 years well yeah I mean even next year when Hannity is dead from the coronavirus (laughs) (laughs) yeah right exactly like it's not really saying anything but at the same time it's dating itself so incredibly that I think it's going to work against the film in the future I I really cannot imagine that this movie is going to be particularly fun to watch down the road. Yeah, I can definitely see it aging badly. It's too it's too specific. Um, yeah. like maybe other... like a time capsules itself in that as well, but I doubt it. Eh. Yeah, I don't think it's clever enough to be remembered for a long time. No. It's a somewhat disposable movie. <laughs> yes. But that's not yeah. necessarily a bad thing. Yeah. Um, one plot hole I did want to mention is the whole Please. character of Don, the old Credited vet. as Don? Three question marks? <laughs> yes. Uh, Don. The, uh, the vet. I liked him. Um, he was a fun character, but the whole discussion with him and Macon Blair in the car. 
where Macon Blair was hinting at, why do you think we chose you specifically? And then it was revealed later in the movie that Don was maybe part of them. Yeah, they, they kind of played it off as no, no. That was oh. her. Her pl- that was her playing her against him. Like he was, he was one of them because you see him as an image on the wall later. They I, were one of the ones he selected. They, they were. He just I, was. I got, I got the point that yeah, Hillary like, Swank was trying to play manipulator. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Crystal against yeah. Don, and Crystal's a survivalist. She's not going to take the risk, and she just yeah, you know, like she moves on. I also like he goes to shoot, so like you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, like, I, I was but, okay but his picture is on the wall, and like she, she, she doesn't answer directly in Lindelof fashion, but like it's quite clear, like there isn't an alternative there. Like he wasn't working with them. It just felt like a cheap double subversion for the sake of baiting and switching, and then going back on it. Yeah, it's cheap, but the whole movie is cheap. I, I don't know. I, I actually, I thought the the whole uh, ambiguity, I mean, it's not ambiguous to me, but the whole, like... In the moment feigned, it is, The though. whole feigned ambiguity around Don, but even so, like, when when we're hearing Hilary Swank's voice over the radio and she's acting and she's saying, like, she's saying, like, oh, Don, is she dead? Did you do it? And it's like, oh, is he really one of them? I For me, that was pretty obvious that, well, like, she is trying to turn... It's a ploy. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Yeah. I, I feel like that scene where he doesn't he refuses to put down his gun either undermines that scene if he's not in on it because you know he could easily just put down his gun oh no but he's or, not gonna put down his gun that's his character that makes he's sense a yeehaw, for him. he's a yeehaw motherfucker yeah he's, he's not, not like you're not you're gonna get a guy to like to, to disarm like like maybe she's a traitor he doesn't know He's he's like he just woke up in this place. So like, you know, he, he's not know. sure either. I don't know, man, because they were working with each other for so long that having a sudden questioning of who's who? I mean, but they didn't scene, but they didn't know who they didn't know who, each other until this scenario. Yeah, they've been together for for a while, but also the whole time they've been together, like they've and, been like constantly reinforced the message of trust no one. Like the guy in the car, like he he didn't know to trust her. And the, so they, they they set that theme up in and advance. And the guy even. who is pretending to be the refugee, who is actually one of the right the elite guys. Him, and then also, the yeah, time. and then also. I, well, I know he wasn't there, but they're but, setting up the theme. But Crystal was, so it would make sense that she wouldn't trust somebody that she thought was on her side yeah so i think i think that because literally that, everyone else has been that. i think that that no, it's more the motivation of don i don't really buy that he wouldn't put down his weapon as much as you guys do especially after she saved him multiple times well but she um, she saved him by by being ruthless by taking no chances. We've seen her take no chances throughout yeah, this movie. Yeah, and, and he knows she's ruthless. I, I buy it because the people that they have kidnapped and are hunting are pretty much all portrayed as Second Amendment yeehaw motherfuckers who are the types of people who, if somebody who is pointing a gun at them tells them to put down their gun, they're not going to do it. I found that believable for his character. Because they're all cartoon characters. And, like, a cartoon character of that that stereotype would do that. Like, he wouldn't want to put his gun down. Sure. I I just... I I thought it was a little contrived. Where I will agree that it is unclear in a bad way is that he seems to know Macon Blair... Like when he sh- when Macon Blair shows up, he's like, "Ah, we're saved." And it's like I that that was confusing to me because it seemed like he knew who Macon Blair was, 
And if that's the case, then that muddies the water. Wait, when was that? When they're at the refugee camp, when they get picked up by the the Croatian army, and Macon Blair shows up to get them out of there, and he's like driving in the driving them. Oh, the that's Macon Blair. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I got Just it. Just shaved, and also fat. Macon Blair. Macon Blair has always been a little chubby. Have you? He's not nearly that big in Green Room or Blue Ruin. Oh wait, wait. What character is he in Green Room? Uh, he's like Patrick Stewart, second in command, the one who seems kind of uh, oh, like yeah, yeah, who seems like he's kind of not okay with the whole thing that's going on in Green Room. Who she lets, who they let go at the end. Oh yeah, I would never have made that connection. Yeah, it's the same dude. Okay. Anyway, the point is, is making Blair's put on a lot of weight. I yeah. was, I almost didn't recognize him because how fat he was. No, uh, I just, I, I, I think the forced ambiguity of that character was a little contrived and sloppy that's all i'm trying to say to the point where it felt like it uh undermined thing the thing is overall though like this movie is so relentless and it's pacing and pushing forward that i can you know push some of that aside for the most part it's definitely a dumb movie it moves fast enough that i don't mind it because yeah. it doesn't get have well, enough I, time to get too self-serious I, about I think that Uh, the kills. Uh, specifically, I, I I just I adored the practicals in this movie. Uh, like uh, a lot of those those blood explosions were fun. The action sequences, the choreography was was a delight. Yeah. Uh, particularly like the the end fight scene as well when they're they're. Uh, throwing things at each other there's a lot of like objects utilized uh, I, in that I love, sequence they keep throwing each other through glass and then mm. at one point she's about to do it and hillary's face like no 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 glass and <laughs> the, so she opens the door no more glass like the, uh, the choreography, choreography was really fun one of my favorite parts was early in the fight where uh they had brought up early in the movie that there was a fancy bottle of champagne oh, that they yes. brought from the titanic and rescued from the Titanic, and our main character throws it at Hillary Swig, and she like dives out of her way to catch it so it doesn't break. The the sh- that little champagne gag is such a fun like multiple callback that it gets it, it, it gets brought up several times yeah that's probably one of my favorite gags in the movie yeah uh glenn howerton's character brings it up at the very beginning he's one of my favorite characters i was honestly disappointed that he died as early as he did uh i thought that Same. that was a a perfect casting considering uh uh how he plays dennis on always sunny and uh i i thought that there was a, a, a great translation between those characters like he plays the sociopath very well that was delightful to see him uh but yeah he brings up like the case of champagne that was rescued from the wreck of the titanic by like a robotic submarine and uh, like is that the champagne and the uh flight attendant is like nope this is just regular champagne and then at the end we get the actual champagne and hillary swake dives to save it like you said and then and uh, after uh, Crystal has killed her, she uh, takes the champagne and gets on the private jet and, and just drinks it straight from 
open the bottle. I love she like she cauterizes her wound with the, the flambe, the creme brulee torch, creme brulee torch, which we'd seen earlier in the fight. I also loved how like she uh, during the fight she activates the the creme brulee torch like that's gonna do anything. And, yeah, and like it doesn't. It's done. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, like there, there are some really fun sequences I will, uh, throughout. I will say, uh, as we were talking about, like the successful versus the unsuccessful subversions in the movie, I thought one of the more successful ones for me was that uh, when Hillary Swank was like choosing the people that they kidnapped, she got the wrong uh, person <laughs> when she got uh, Crystal because she thought that she was some person online who's. Uh, username was justice for y'all which is very good yeah, I, I, I might add that. very good uh good username Yeehaw. and it turned out to be a completely different person who spelled her name slightly different and she gets mail for her sometimes <laughs> i thought i thought that was a really really good twist oh yeah i i Man, one of the things with that twist, though, the only minor thing about it is I feel like it kind of undermines the character as a deplorable, which I mean is fine because she's very apolitical in the movie. Well, right. That's the thing is like she's the only character who never once says anything political. She has combat training because she was in Afghanistan, as we find out, and, and she's a survivalist. But she she doesn't ever have politics, basically, which I think is, yeah, as, I, as I said before, unrealistic. But this is not a movie that I'm necessarily asking for realism. I mean, you know, like, I've had plenty of vets who are apolitical. Maybe I'll cut this out, but if you're apolitical, you're uninformed. I'll, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I'm just like, countering to it being unrealistic. That person does exist. Okay. That's all. Sure. Uh, yeah, maybe unrealistic was the the wrong word, but um, I I did like that subversion is my overall point. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree with that, too. I really like that her character just sort of shows up out of nowhere. Uh, she she comes across almost as like a like a Clint Eastwood character, like very fistful of dollars, just shows up. We don't get her backstory right off the bat. Uh, we just we just see this this person like survive in this really threatening environment, and it makes us ask why? Why is this person doing I love so well? The expressionness she brings to the character, especially in her eyes. Um, there's there's just a couple moments in the oh film my God. where she has these crazy eyes that work so perfectly for the scenes. Like one of my favorites is when they're at the gas station. <laughs> so yes, um, and she's going to buy cigarettes, and uh, they overcharge her for cigarettes. And she uh, pulls the trigger on him. Essentially, that's how she knows yeah. that it's that it's fake. Yeah, in Kentucky, cigarettes are six bucks. Arkansas, Arkansas. Arkansas. Yeah, in Arkansas, cigarettes are six bucks. You fucked up, bitch. Like, <laughs> oh god, that line is so good. Like, you fucked up, bitch. Like, she's she's got a lot of one-liners. So she is probably my favorite performance in the film. Easily, like, yeah. She she's is, so charismatic. Yeah, like she's, she's got those crazy. Yeah, she's funny. Like, she's a good action hero like she is uh delightful she's one of my overall favorite things of the movie like despite my problems with it she as a character is always very fun to watch you don't get that kind of country accent too often in films 
either. Like so often, oh, like it's, it's just it's just like you just get like a twang. But like she she's she from feels Mississippi. pretty. She's got that deep South accent. Yeah, and it's it's nice to hear that in a movie. Like, make you feel at home. Yeah, man, growing up hearing that accent, like, like it, it's nice. It's nice hearing that. Like, like she, <laughs> she studied the part. Like you, you could tell. I, I, I appreciate it. Oh, one of the uh, gore scenes that we didn't mention yet it, that I really enjoyed was early on with the spike pit. Oh, the, the I love the spike getting pit. Getting hurled back. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my favorite set pieces in the movie. The two grenades, like throwing the one and not going off. That's a good Yeah, bit. there are a lot of really good gags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, was, that was funny. The girl falling into the spike pit and then getting pulled out and being okay and then getting <laughs> thrown back into the spike pit. Also, thought it was funny that she said, it's my birthday tomorrow, I'm gonna eat a whole pie and we're recording this on uh, Pie Day. National Pie Day? Yeah. 3.14. It is. Yeah. It is 3.14 today. Uh, so that was that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a cool coincidence. Oh boy. Yeah, I mean, overall, like, the effects of this movie are really solid. Like, it's it's got a, a great amount of, like, fun blood and gore and uh, does it very well and unashamedly. We talked about it some at the beginning, but, like, like how you continue like for a, a big chunk of the movie think that a certain person is your protagonist until they die suddenly and horrifically and then all of a sudden somebody else is your protagonist and i i love that they just did that over and over again and that they were not ashamed to kill those people immediately <laughs> <laughs> didn't shy away from that and that's what i wanted from this movie i wanted dumb fun and i got a lot of dumb fun yes overall that's what saved this movie for me is how fun it was a lot of the jokes you know for the most part land too which is nice um because they could easily just be cheap uh throwaway stuff they feel clever enough yeah i think the funniest jokes are the ones that don't date themselves too too terribly i think the ones that are like particularly specific kind of made me roll my eyes there were a few though that that were political that i I did enjoy like like the oops sorry didn't mean to gender us and like other stuff that eh, made me giggle a little bit that was kind of fun yeah Yeah, the it's it's still it's very buzzwordy and and it's generally the the kind of thing that would bother me so yeah I, i i was i was surprised how many times like it was actually able to get chuckles out of the me. deplorable thing i found obnoxious yes and uh the cuck thing i found obnoxious mm. uh as fun as that word is to use in this context it did feel very buzzwordy it's like uh he's right wing so he uses cuck oh they're left wing so they use the word snowflake uh like that like talking about the girl getting thrown into the pit twice and the second time when like she has is she's missing her lower half and her guts are spilling out and she tells the guy like hey shoot me and he's like no i'm not gonna do that and she grabs the gun and says okay snowflake that got a, a big eye roll out of me too oh that, really? i thought it was pretty funny. i thought it was kind of funny i thought that was fucking I, uh, annoying i thought it was, I I think, I think, like, because it was paired with her like blowing her like, like calling someone a snowflake and then fucking axing yourself is like 
actually a pretty funny concept. I mean, the action itself of of uh, shooting herself when she is missing her lower half, I think is fine. It's the snowflake particularly that I think is just so dated and obnoxious and just like... Yeah. It, it, it comes across a little hello fellow kids, like, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. For the most part, like, the jokes weren't that offensive, but there were a couple that, like, surprised me in, like, how edgy they were. Um, particularly, there was, like, an anti-Semitic joke by uh, Don talking about uh, the deep state Jewish conspiracy or something oh, yes. like that. Talking about Hannity and stuff, which I uh, I, su- I was surprised they went there. Uh, it was I thought funny, the Hannity though. joke was pretty yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, too, like... Uh, Considering it's coming from these characters, it feels like, of course, they would say this stuff, so... I mean... It's it's, it's like cartoon characters, yeah. Yeah, as caricatures, for sure. I I agree with that. It's just too buzzwordy. I think it's just like you. I think you can. I think you can make these jokes and make fun of these groups of people without like dating yourself so specifically. You know, it's a great example of that. You know, what this movie reminded me of, but I think did a better job with that uh, and playing up like the concepts of classism. That's ready or not. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's ready or not. I think I think ready or not does a much better job of saying a lot of the same things. Because uh, Ready or Not still has a lot of commentary on classism, like well, with that's the family the coming into their inheritance and whatnot. It's because it's because class struggle is timeless. Also, Ready or Not wasn't written by David. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, <laughs> class, but class stu- class struggle is timeless and ultimately has nothing to do with politics. Therefore, it does not date itself. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, yeah. If we're if we're gonna make that comparison, and I agree, I actually did think of Ready or Not several times. And ready or not is a uh, immeasurably better film. It's, it's, it's got a lot of people blowing up for gags. Here's a question: they both Do you think that. this movie would be more successful if it leaned harder into the politics or was less political? I overall? think this movie would be a lot more successful if it didn't come out right during the height of the coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I think that if the, this I think that this movie is going to do bad no matter what happens. I'm, well, I'm I not hate talking about bit. box office success. Uh, I'm talking about successful as a good movie. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Thank you. I don't think it could be less political. I, I think, think it could. Well, I don't think it could be less political by being political at all. What do I you mean, mean? I mean, if you remove the buzzwords and the political alignments of the characters, then you just you just have like a wealthy hunting the poor movie, and it wouldn't it wouldn't be right, red state is, versus blue state. But that's Ben's point exactly. Would it be more successful if it was? Oh, I see. Okay, no, if no, it was right. more political and my leaned bad, more bad. into its politics, or if it was less political and leaned into classism i.e. Ready or Not, or Knives Out, which, ah. not a horror movie, but I think one of my favorite things about Knives Out, which was a great fucking movie, is that all of the wealthy family members all have different politics, but they're, they come together as soon as their fortune is threatened, that their class unites them over their political beliefs and i think that this movie would be better if it did the same thing well it's interesting it's interesting you mentioned knives out because uh there were a couple cringeworthy 
uh, lines and knives out, which will be dated really badly, uh, particularly like the MAGA stuff. Uh, it's very subdued in that movie, even yeah. more so than this, obviously. I think Knives Out um, will age much better yes, than this movie. Yes, <laughs> uh, But the point stands where, you know, it. I, I think if you removed a lot of those overt references and just uh, had this a little more general it could work well the the reason i think it works in knives out despite the fact that specific references might be dated it does a really great job to illustrate that point that i just brought up that regardless of their politics what unites them is their money being threatened so it shows that politics is unimportant and class solidarity is i i think that that is what they they could maybe be less specific but that those those examples illustrate that well and i would have liked to see more of that in this movie because the stuff that annoyed me about this movie was the very specific political stuff the less general stuff that uh, that's the kind of shit that made me roll my eyes the deplorable shit the snowflake shit Mm -hmm. the cuck shit like it's all it's all so specific to like the the time that this movie is made that i don't think that people are going to be able to relate to that in mm-hmm. the, you know fucking 20 years down the line 50 years 100 years down the line yeah no I, sorry i misinterpreted that earlier um i agree i think i think it would be better if it was less political i think there's a way to do it if it was but i think that they're they're running a higher risk of being extremely cringy if the if they had gone more politically. Oh yeah. The thing like, is too on yeah. the flip side though. I think this movie could be more successful if it was more political, but if it knew what it was saying with its politics more. Yeah, but with David um, Lindelof exactly, behind the Exactly, that's, exactly. that's why uh with with Damon Lindelof at the helm, I'm kind of glad that yeah, it was Oh, I'm well, I mean, for sure. I mean, I he doesn't he doesn't know what his own politics. What are masks? Yeah, right. Uh, but I guess my my follow up question to that is: you think you say it could be more successful if it was more political, if it actually took a stance, but if it did take a stance and knew what it was talking about what stance would you want it to take the one that aligns with your own beliefs or do you think it would still be successful if it took a harder stance that aligned with the opposite end of the spectrum i suppose well i think either in a way uh the 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 reason i mention that is because this movie like we mentioned earlier is kind of enlightened centrism both sides bad and both sides in fairness are very insufferable um you know when you put neoliberalism and trumpism side by side but what i would uh, love to see is we see the solidarity in class with the 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 rich neoliberals right but we don't see uh as much of the red state trumpy people being like, oh, we're poor, the the conditions right. have, like, led us to this point, and it's more just general, oh, we're Second Amendment caricature gun right people. I don't like the other side because they have different buzzwords than I do. Yeah, it's almost yeah. like this was written by a wealthy person. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my God. Crazy. 
yeah, like it, I, it's a self-flagellation I, I, comment I think, earlier. Like, I, it's, I, I think that that's really what like the politics of this movie comes down to is that it, it doesn't actually have anything to do with ideological differences. It's uh, your buzzwords versus my buzzwords. All of the quote-unquote deplorable characters are are always talking about like Second Amendment and right to defend yourself, whereas the 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 elite characters are talking about like identity politics and uh, climate change being real. And I bet he uses the N word. And it's like there's not any actual politics there it's literally just your buzzwords versus my buzzwords and that's what i find yeah. it's really, stereotypes well, that's what of i find really other, frustrating yeah, party members and, is and an interesting anything, thing yeah. one really telling line is our main character at one point asks if they're actually smart or if they're just dumb people pretending to be smart right and if they're smart people you know, pretending to be dumb or dumb people pretending to be yeah, smart. And yeah, and it's definitely clear that, like, the rich people uh, are dumb people pretending to be smart. But all of the Trump people are just dumb people that are dumb. Yeah. You know, there's no the complexity to that at all. Speaking of more political, I, I think what I mean by that is seeing more complexity in that. Oh, for sure. I, I think yeah. that could have been more interesting as well. I agree. I think my opinion is, is still, like, less political, more classist. I think that that is more relatable and I think is something that uh, that ignores, yeah. that ultimately well, ignores and that's Well, and in, in some ways that's more political but Maybe, a yeah. different kind sure, of political. Sure, a different, a different yeah. kind of politics. Different, yeah, I, I guess when I'm thinking about political in terms of this film, it is, as the original title is, Red State versus Blue State. I think that that is the, the wrong kind of politics to, <laughs> to uh, like... Inject into a To movie. inject, yeah. And I mean, that's not to say, like, I mean, we obviously have multiple films that just came out recently that do classist stories well. Here's a, another question for you guys. Do you think neoliberals or trump people will take this movie under their home as their movie more uh oh under their helm i think you're gonna say the opposite uh get angry over uh which well, my we, answer could, is we be. could ask that as well i mean it's the same question basically yeah it's, that's uh, true i would say uh the internet is a uh a massive rage fuel machine and both I think both for different reasons, but if I had to say what side does this film relate more strongly to, weirdly enough, I would say I would say the Trump people. I think that though they are satirized in similar ways as the as the neolib elites, they're still the victims. I, of this I think movie. that they're yes that that is exactly it is that they are still portrayed as the victims and are yeah they have no agency and portrayed as undeserving of what is happening to them and so I think that. Honestly, like if you take a side in this movie, once again, kind of like you said, Cleveland, in in the the inverse of if you're offended by this movie, I think if you also take a strong, if you think this movie is taking a strong stance one way or another, you are similarly baby brained. <laughs> but <laughs> you need to reevaluate some shit and look at actual policies. Well, right, but I I do I do think that for baby brained people, yeah, the, where where the, politics is a football game, the, the right yeah. w- the right will identify with this movie more than one of the funniest the things though in sure. the lead up to this movie is i'm pretty sure 
the the right played a big role in getting this movie shit can the first time because they don't understand satire and they saw a, a, <laughs> so a movie about rich people hunting deplorables and they were like, no, we can't have a movie that encourages this type of violence against not in, us. Not in my America. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there there were... It's it's hard to say like that. Honestly, I would believe that. I will say that after seeing this movie, I don't think this movie takes a bold enough stance in either direction that it's going to be particularly inflammatory to anybody. You know, the movie just came out. I will uh, give it a couple of weeks to see if I hear anybody complaining about it on the Internet. But I'm really not expecting that I like as much as I I had fun with this movie seeing it in theaters and laughed a few times, I think this movie is going to be very, very quickly forgotten and not dredged up again. Here's what I'll say. We talked about how this movie is going to age. Um, clearly, you can tell I'm, I'm quite sleepy. Uh, and I think a good comparative is it's it's not going to age like milk. Even when you like take how poorly the the buzzwords are going to age and whatnot, there's still a lot of fun subversions for the the most dangerous game elements of this film. Like I think it'll still be like generally like entertaining to watch as a pop like as a dumb popcorn movie. It's going to age like soda. It's going to lose its fizz after a time. Honestly, I can get down with that analogy. I think that's pretty good. Yeah, it's going to go flat. Yeah, uh, but you still know, drinkable. Still fine yeah still drinkable i don't anticipate hearing many people talking about this movie overall no. you know i think i think we, yeah, we've talked about it especially <laughs> I, yeah most people ever will i mean right exactly because it's literally our fucking job to do so yeah <laughs> uh i yeah i despite its its uh attempt at at marketing itself as a uh extremely controversial film i think in many ways it's quite safe are you all ready to rate? Yeah, I'm going to slap the rating on top of that. Uh, yeah, this movie was fun. Uh, I thought its politics, uh, or rather lack thereof, uh, I found very frustrating. Damon Lindelof is a hack. Uh, Watchmen is fun. This movie, uh, f- fuck it, three and a half? Yeah, that seems about right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I was going to give it a three and a half as well. I think uh, some of the underlying ideas of this movie are muddled and uh, messy sloppy but it is a lot of fun um and i enjoyed it for that much at least uh definitely worth turning your brain off a little bit and just enjoying the very nowness of it i'm a trash man i like slop fuck it uh i i I belly laughs uh and i i was I think the most uh, apprehensive going into this one. If I'd known, again, if I'd known it was going to be the love, <laughs> I, oh God, I would have gone in with even lower expectations somehow. Um, I almost didn't want to cover this one on the podcast. I never voiced that, but I, I definitely felt it. And You literally voiced it on the podcast last week. Oh, so. I, I have voiced that. Okay, never mind. And it's recorded. So there we go. Uh, so I definitely would. Uh, okay. Uh, anyway, well, in that case, yeah, I, I, I definitely, you know, I wasn't really keen on the film going in and was pretty pleasantly surprised by the wacky goofiness of it and what i liked i really liked um i'm gonna give a healthy four all right cool well that will give the hunt an average of 3.7 out of five pods this will be another one of those ones where 
see it or don't. Uh, I would be I would be interested to hear other people's opinions on it. If you thought it was fun, if it offended you, if it annoyed you, uh, if you really identified with it, I would really be curious to hear. I would really really be curious to hear from those people who really identified with it. I think that there's room to be like offended by this movie and not be baby brained. But I don't know what that perspective would be. But I think there's room for it. Well, anyway, that's the hunt. Let's uh, clear out the elephant in the room with uh, this big old coronavirus. Coronavirus. Aside from our many jokes about it, uh, it is uh, a thing that is going to affect the next few episodes of the podcast. Few months, few probably. Months, likely. Uh, um, next corona. week. Next week was supposed to be a quiet place. Yeah, too. we had a we had a good chunk of movies, uh, new movies coming out. Quiet Place Two was going to be next week. Uh, new Mutants was coming out soon after that. Uh, end of April was I think Saint Maud was supposed to come out. If Antlers. not end of this month, Antlers. Um, the new Saw movie is in May. I I have a feeling that's going to be delayed as well. So um, looks so, like a lot of classics. We're well, going to be covering some classics. <laughs> yeah, anyway, the point is most of these films have been postponed, uh, I think, indefinitely. I don't think any of them have been pushed back to specific dates. Nope, but not hey, as far as uh, I know. Don't postpone your listening. No, because no, no, we're no. going to be covering some good old shit when you're uh, quarantined in your house, uh, trying to avoid the coronavirus. Come and quarantine yourselves with us. Right, we'll still be here, and we're just going to do things as usual, minus the the new films, because there won't be any to talk about. So we're just going to be doing our normal rotation of picks. And I mean, hey, there's a lot of movies that we really ought to talk about, so I'm really I mean, excited. Yeah, there's a fucking bajillion. Like, don't don't worry, the 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 podcast there, will continue. There's some some heat in the kitchen, some fire some whipping spice. up just for you, and we're creeping. <laughs> up on our 100th episode we won't spoil what that's gonna be yet but it it will be coming soon we have a plan but anyway next week because uh a quiet place 2 has been postponed uh it will be cleveland's pick and cleveland what did you pick for us to talk about next week another film that i watched the trailer for uh way over a decade ago and never got around to seeing but it had some cool special effects in it, and that's Dark City. I'm pretty We're stoked. Gonna see if it's any good. I'm pretty stoked for this one because it's also been on my list for a while, and I've never seen. I it. I have not seen it either. Nice. So this is a this is an older film that none of us have seen. Mm-hmm. So it'll be fresh perspectives all around. I like picking ones that none of us have seen. I like. I I'm honestly like. I've been like Dark City has been on my list since college. So I uh, I'm excited to finally I, get an opportunity. I'm definitely looking forward to it. I've heard good things. Cool. Well, that'll be next week. Tune back in for our thoughts on Dark City. Uh, Before we sign off, though, even though the virus is raging, uh, we still got to get paid. So, Cleveland, who's our sponsor this week? Have you ever wanted to wash your hands? Yeah. You should do it. If you have that feeling, you should wash your hands. 
have you ever <laughs> felt like coughing and you know in a public place well cough into your elbow <laughs> have you ever done the same but with sneezes <laughs> use your elbow and also don't open your door with your elbow that you coughed or sneezed into and if you have coronavirus maybe don't go to a concert yes if there are any left yeah yeah well they're all canceled i guess what i should say is if you had coronavirus and you went to a concert shame uh this has been uh, a psa our this episode was brought to you by containment procedures Uh, yep because well it would be i guess but oh we're getting political the cdc the centers for d's coronavirus (laughs) (laughs) wow and just like that we've already been more political than the hunt was good job guys i don't know what you're talking about but thank you anyway (laughs) cdc i don't know what i'm talking about either well, then we better get out of here before none of us know what we're talking about. Podcast things. Yep. Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts. Help us. Go hit please. the fire. Please help, help us. us. We are quarantined in this house. The sponsor shelf has been silent. The I only no light in our life left is five star ratings and reviews. Thank you. Yes. As Ben so eloquently said, the only thing that will cure our coronavirus is a good rating and review on Apple Podcasts, so don't let your favorite boys suffer in shame of low reviews. Yeah. (laughs) You heard it here, folks. You heard Uh, it right here, first and foremost. For the latest in coronavirus news, as it relates to this podcast and nothing else, (laughs) then follow us on Twitter at PodPeoplePod. For the latest in the movies that we talk about on the show, there's letterbox.com slash podpeoplepod, where you can find the movies that we've talked about and the numbers. We've seen them and we've provided them. We've seen the numbers. (laughs) I like this inflection and my Twitter (laughs) is Mr. Sheets, where you can follow all my coronavirus updates and stay updated on what I'm watching and political memes. Well, I... I'm not one for derailing trains, so you can find me tweeting on the Twitter at LightArc Studio rarely. And you can also find my work on ArtStation. This is getting exhausting, guys. <laughs> well, you can find my work on ArtStation, and you can also, of course, find our game that we've all worked on as well. Uh, it Stares Back on Steam. It Stares Go Back it out. is actually immune to the coronavirus, so it will be there regardless of infection. You're quarantined in your house. There. You don't got anything better got to do. You got nothing to do. Buy it. Pick up time. our Check video game and play it. Support indie games. Buy our $6 game and play it yeah not all, even all indie games just us just us specifically fuck other indie games fuck the competition come give us money uh i am on twitter doing things at deep state aussie jk i love indie games please don't get mad at me i love you all we support love, whatever indie games you want we support indie games and podcasts 
and hand sanitizer. And ham sanitizer. Uh, yes. Sanitize your hams, people. And toilet paper, which is in short Oh, supply. yeah, you know, tag that out of my fucking PSA. Uh, don't grab 8,000 <laughs> things of toilet paper, you assholes. Too late. Everybody's done it. Yeah, it's done. Yeah, I went to the... Yeah, that was ridiculous. Anyway, right, that's uh, all. Wash your hands, cover your mouth when you sneeze. Don't be an asshole. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>